Welcome, welcome to season two of the House of Apis podcast. I'm Katie. And I'm Mila. And we are so excited to be back to start up another season discussing some interesting topics and speaking with some very wonderful people. We hope everyone had a safe and happy end to 2021 and that 2022 is starting off well for all of you. For today's episode, we find ourselves at the corner of change and more change. It's just life, right? A lot has happened with House of Apis since we aired our end of year message, and we are going to spend some time today talking to you about all the changes you can expect. Some inspired by what we learned at TED Women, some through our brainstorming about what's next with House of Apis, and some through the feedback we've received along the way from friends, confidants, and House of Apis members. We also want to spend a bit of today's conversation on a tool we highlighted and rave about called the Year Compass. Katie and I have been working through this journaling tool, and some of the change we'll be sharing today came to fruition through the reflection and projection we did on this tool. So perhaps let's start there. Yeah. We knew before we aired last season's final two episodes that we wanted to kick off season two with a conversation about what we learned about ourselves using the journaling tool, the Year Compass. And if you follow us or are a member of the online community, The Hive, you've seen our messages on this amazing tool. But for those of you that have not, we encourage you to go check it out at yearcompass.com. This is a nonprofit organization that each year puts out an open source journal that allows you to reflect on the previous year and look forward and project into the upcoming year. And before we dive in, we absolutely want to encourage you to check it out. And if you like what you see, please consider donating to them. We really want to have this tool for years and years to come because it's pretty amazing. Plus, the other good thing is that it comes in several languages. Oh, so yes, that's be true. Scared. Don't be scared that you don't feel that you're going to get it in English or that your feelings are not coming very well in English. No, the tool is in like really a lot of languages and a lot of formats. So you can download it or you can even do it uh, online. That is an excellent point. Yes. Yeah. So let's dive in. Let's talk at a high level, just the exercise and the methodology. So shall we go with what was harder for you to do or for us to do? Reflecting on 2021 or looking forward to 2022? What do you think? I feel like that should be the easiest question we ask ourselves (laughs) on this tool. I'm not, I'm not sure. You know what? So actually, I think what I'm going to say, I mean, reflecting on 2021 was hard because I went, what I went through in 2021. So it was emotionally harder, but I'm still like, I'm, I guess I'm done. I've done the 2022 section, but my trios, my, so for those of you that haven't looked at it yet, it asks you your magical triplets for the year ahead. And some of my triplets are still duos because I didn't want to put three (laughs) for the sake of three. And I plan to put a triplet, but I want it to be meaningful. So I don't know. That's my gut reaction to your first question. What about? So just to clarify for people that haven't seen the tool. So the tool is basically divided in two parts, the past year and the year ahead. And when it goes through the past year, it's actually very deep. Mm -hmm. So it is not okay, what do you think you accomplished and what was your likes and dislikes? It's not like quick and dirty last year is over. No, no, no. It's like going to last year, just really think about it. Even they even suggest that you go through your agenda and you look at it. So then you are going to see what did you do in January? What did you do in February? What did you do in March? And the list goes on and on of the way the tool takes you through the analysis and the thinking and the reflection on the last year. So having said that, yes, I struggled more with the last year than (laughs) uh, next year. And that has to also to do with maybe the hope and the opportunities that the new year brings, the history that you need to write is not yet written. So then yeah, yeah. That is in a way a lot easier to do because you have a lot of hopes and dreams, but to reflect on what, like what happened and what didn't happen, 
then I think it was a lot. I think, no, I know it was a lot more difficult for me. I was like, I don't know. I struggle with the hopes and I don't struggle having hopes and dreams. I have struggle narrowing down hopes and dreams to manageable goals to happen in a year. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I'm not done in some of the cases. I I still don't know what to write down as my final answer. So I feel like I'm in the millionaire game. I think that's fair. One of the things I tell people, because I recommend this tool all year round, is you could use this as a rotating year, right? If you weren't ready to do it at the beginning of the year, because I know some people are, I don't do resolutions. I don't, and by the way, this isn't resolutions, right? That sometimes you're more open to doing this exercise in March or in April. So I would say, don't get turned off with the 2021, 2022. Think of it as the last 12 months, the future 12 months. Because I think that's something as well, too, because some people are like, I'm just not, I just made, I survived 2021. Like, I don't want to do this. I can't even think about what 2022 is. Yeah. 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 But I also think that, for example, if you modify certain questions or certain statements, you can even do these for my last job or, oh, yeah. Or my previous relationship or, I totally, you know, yeah. Yeah. Or my, my previous city where I live, my previous life, like from this point on and from this point backwards, it's called the year compass and it has a purpose and that's how it was meant to uh, be evaluated. But if you're going through a process of change, or if you are going through a process of reflection and moving on, I think that is a tool that can help in it. Yeah. I think that's a brilliant hack like a suggestion of how to use this because I know (laughs) we talked about this in a LinkedIn post since the new year right a lot of people are reconsidering what they do for a living and and how they navigate their life and what they're prioritizing so I actually I think that's brilliant brilliant okay were there questions that you really struggle with or ones that you really enjoyed answering okay right now so there's two that stand out to me in the reflecting part uh, and then there's i'll make a comment on something in the the looking forward stuff so who are the three people you influence the most <laughs> uh, for that because i'm like well i think i influence these people I have no idea if I influence these people. I know I was in their lives and I probably was a royal pain in the butt in some ways to these people, but I'm not sure if I influence them. So I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that's a, that's commentary on my own self-confidence. I'm not sure. But like that one, I felt like I was guessing at, and I feel like there was probably a deeper intention behind that question. And maybe I'm just not getting the message. The other one. So when I first looked at the question, I was like, I, I have no idea. Then, because the way I did this was I'd do a little, I'd put it down. I'd do a little, I'd put it down. So it probably took me a month and a half to do this thing. So the one question was the wisest decision I made. And that was for the past year. I don't know. I'm not sure I was tremendously wise at all over this past year. But then when I put it down and I walked away, that answer was crystal clear which for those of you that have listened to us know that I lost my father last year and his health was pretty bad. The entire year was uh, a lot of going back and forth to help with that. And so the wisest decision I made was when I decided to stay in Florida in early November versus flying back to Seattle for a week and then going back out. And the reason I made that decision was I was worried it was the last week my father was going to be conversational. It turned out to be the last week my father was living. So it it was, I followed my gut. That's one of those things that like my head was ringing, my gut was spinning and blah. And I listened to my gut. And so when I first looked at it, I'm like, I have no idea what the wisest decision was. And then once I put it down and walked away from it, it was, it was crystal clear. The, um, the other one is the the dare to dream big in the 2022 section. I don't know what I've written feels obvious. And feels like it needs a little finessing, but it's going to get the party started. And I can go back to this, right? It's not one and done, but I don't think I'm satisfied with what's on that page yet. So I don't know if that makes it, I guess your question was questions I struggled with. And I am, I'm struggling with that because it's not sitting right yet. So I don't know. Mm -hmm. How about you? So, so as an isolated question, Mm -hmm. The question that I struggled the most was in the past year, 
letter where it says, this is what my last year was about. That was the last one on that page that was a better tomorrow. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, so I'm reflecting on all of these. I'm being very critical about all of these. And then you are asking me about a better tomorrow. Yeah. What so it, well, I mean, and it tells you, what did you do this year to leave the world in a better shape than you found it? So it's deep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So th that was very much of a struggle for me. And from that, I can talk about that later, a little bit on, around my answer, because it ties in with something else that we're going to talk about later. But, but yeah, that was a very hard yeah. uh, place to be after you have re been reflected about the whole year. And the one question that I, I enjoy answering, even though the answer is not the nicest answer, was... If there was a book of a movie that was made about you of last year, what title would you give it? And, uh, and that was a very interesting <laughs> answer to give to yourself because it is like, how would you call the book of your life in a way? I'm trying to look and see. What did I write? Yeah, oh! <laughs> <laughs> what did you put? I'm curious. Or do you want to, or you want to hold on that? No, I had two versions. Oh my God. You got to learn somehow, girl, or you are 50. Come on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can write those books. My book for the past, the book, the question, a book or a movie was made about your past year. What title would you give it? Mine was waiting through the mud. Oh, oh. Uh, did you do it in one sitting or did you no. split it up? No, not at all. I split it up. So actually, uh, the reflection of the past year, almost all I made it in one city. With the exception of goodbye to your last year, which is the last part, I yeah. think. Yep. And there is one part that says forgiveness. Those two, I didn't really complete. Like I wrote down some things, but I didn't really complete it. But that part I made all in one sitting. And it was pretty, pretty darn hard. Yeah. And emotional. Yeah. The uh, interestingly, yeah. the forgiveness one was quite easy for me because the two things, one was I wrote one that of something I needed to forgive somebody else for, and then something I needed to forgive myself for, and they were still pretty raw. So those came to me very quickly. Mm -hmm. I think if they had happened earlier in the year, I would have struggled with that question. The, are you by chance, are you a journaler? <laughs> Not really. And, and that, that is actually very interesting uh, for me because I was a journalist. Like when I was growing up, I was very much a journaler. And then I have even some books, like a diary kind of book. And then somehow I broke out of that because I had two little brothers that would come into my room and they would look uh, into my journal. I knew where you were going. <laughs> like, seriously, they would look into my journal and I even had those diaries with the locker and that didn't yeah. work at all. Those things are so easy uh, to break into, by the way. <laughs> yeah, of course. of course. And it was very cute and whatever. But I was like, I don't know, I was 15 or 16 and my youngest brother is seven years younger than me. Yeah. And so then I was, I cannot do this. And, and mind you, I lived at home until I was, I don't know, 25 or something. Yeah. This is the reason I think why I stopped doing it. And it had been harder to get into it. And if you see my journal is the same that I have had for several years. And my last entry was in, I don't know, 2020, 2015 and then 2017 and then 2022. Yeah. So I, I always go back to the same book. I have the same book. <laughs> I'm not that far off. I am a journaler, but I'm sporadic. I did try a digital journal, which I was liking for a while because you could drag in pictures and stuff too, if you had them, or you could put pins on a map and things. I just wasn't disciplined about it. But what I realized was, is actually being disciplined about it wasn't actually what I needed for the methodology. I just needed to have 
like for me, when I need to think getting things down, getting it out of, and maybe that's an introverted thing, right? I need to journal. I need to write the things down. So I've been working off of the same journal for several years as well too, but I am a journal. It is a way to get things out of my head. But the reason I asked you is because a lot of people have shied away from doing this year compass because they look at it and they go, oh dear, I don't have it in me to do that kind of journaling. But for those of you that vision board or sketch or whatever it is, right, you could, you, you could still use these questions as a guide versus you don't have to respond in writing. You could think about and respond in whatever way feels right to you. So that's why I'm curious because I know that you also have dabbled in arts throughout your life. So I was curious whether if you would have much rather painted this <laughs> than wrote it. <laughs> I'm not that good of a painter to, to put it like that. She lies. <laughs> but, um... She lies. She lies. <laughs> no, I, I think that for me, it helps to write as well. So I like writing. and But the looking inside of me is the most difficult process. So then I think mm. that when you associate the two things and then the harder part is just to look inside of yourself. It's not what you put on the, on the paper. So I think that there might be some people out there that that just don't want a journal just because it is the moment that you have to look at yourself and you don't uh, like what you see. It's the exercise. So that might be, yeah, it's the exercise more than the writing of it. But I think that you can read the questions anyway and you can sit with them and think about it, right? I actually think some of these good questions are good to ask your partner or your partner to yeah. read. Like there are some questions here that if I ever go date again, then I will maybe date <laughs> with me and then ask ask. Uh, somebody okay what are your three words what about the three places that you want to visit or something yeah yeah so no so I I think that I have you just keep it in your purse right I have a few things I'd like to ask you <laughs> I would like to ask you about I I think there's another thing I think people think there's a right way to journal and they're really it's just whatever comes out of your head I think one of the reasons I like to journal is because when I go back and read it I can it's a good compass of how I'm treating myself by yeah. the language and the words and the tone in which I write things down. And so it's a little bit of my like, why are you being so hard on yourself? It's yeah. Wow. Wow. You're already stressed. Why are you creating your own stress on yourself? Anyways, I recommend the heck out of this for years. I just think it's got some really good prompts in it. And it's, and I think maybe I like it because it's not easy. It, it does push yeah. me to think about some things. So I guess I, a question for you and is reflecting on 2021, what patterns or behaviors did you tune into? Good, bad, and different, but just patterns. There was one that I had that I guess surprised me, but didn't surprise me, but I'll explain that in a minute once you've answered the question. In terms of uh, the patterns that I saw, I think they had to do with maybe how I was spending my time during the whole year with maybe the exception of a couple of trips that I did here and there, but how I was spending my, my free time or my solo time or my, my recovery time. Yeah. Or how was I wasting it? I should say. Then, uh, so that was the pattern. Then I, that was a pattern. Yeah. I, what was interesting was I might be just a little, it's not really the opposite. I think I was kind of disappointed. I hadn't noticed this. So if you just had flat out asked me on January 1st, how I spent my time without looking at my calendar, I would have been, well, really it was a year of just going back and forth to Florida to take care of my parents and to, to be close to my dad, knowing that his time was short and that it was a lot about that. And then I, and it was right. Like it was, so that's not an untrue statement, but then when I did the exercise where it has you go through your calendar, in between those trips to Florida, my calendar was full of getting into the outdoors. Like just lots of it. And then there was stuff we did for House of Apis. So there were some things like that, but a lot of outdoor getting into nature kind of things. And so I think when I looked at it, I know that nature is how I recover. Nature and movement is how I invest myself. So I, I think I, I was so fried by the end of the year that I was kind of thinking I really hadn't invested in myself much. But then when I went back, I went, no, I did it. And 
it may have been the only thing that got me through the year, but I didn't notice it because the other stuff was so heavy. So it was, it was similar of how I was filling my time, but I actually was surprised how I actually did write by myself with filling that time. And it just, to me, it reinforced how important that is to me because there's no way I would have made it through last year if I hadn't done that. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Now that you say that, and I'm going through my calendar right now, like through that page, then I see that 85% of the things that I note here were uh, work or professional related. Mm. So, so it was not, it was not personal investments. Yeah. With, with the exception that I'm uh, noticing vaccination. Vaccination. <laughs> yeah. When yeah, we got the vaccine, that was good. <laughs> well, I think it's bad that I wrote for 2021 that habits that defined me, that the first item I wrote there was stress eating and drinking. Like that, that's something I wrote defined me in 2021. That's going to change for 2022. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I have that one. I, I like that. I also have calling my parents at least once a week. Oh no, that's important. Family is very important yeah. to you. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, the other two items are, are a little more favorable, but it was interesting because I remember when I wrote that, I didn't even hesitate. Yeah, <laughs> it yeah, was yeah, there. yeah. It was there. Is there anything that surprised you while you were looking back? Yes. <laughs> yes. Actually, it surprised me uh, how small my world became. Yeah. It surprised me in a sad way because um, it was obviously a combination of everything. I think that my world became very small because I... Um, I only saw a handful of people purposely because obviously there was the whole uh, thing with COVID. I wanted to make sure that I was healthy and that I was not taking unnecessary risks. And uh, yeah, so my world became uh, a lot smaller. So I saw less people wanted to also be outside. Things yeah. were closed. So I didn't do as many activities as I enjoyed doing. I didn't really travel uh, for fun. Uh, except when I went to to meet with you, <laughs> yeah. which which we also had work, but that was yeah. the only time I did a couple of weekends here and there with with friends that that were very good and necessary. But it was very much my my world be, became very small. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about I you? I um, I think it was obvious, but I, it took me doing this tool. <laughs> Right. So for those of you, hey, an aspiration is one day that this becomes a video podcast, but right now it's not a video podcast. So you cannot see that there is a sign behind me that says things are only impossible until they're not. That's a Jean-Luc Picard quote, by the way, for anybody who's Star Trek fan. But so for me, nothing's insurmountable. Things are tough, but you can figure a way through it. I think for me this last year, the thing I wrote, was uh, it said, what have you learned about yourself while overcoming these challenges? So it asked you three of my biggest challenges. And I wrote, I can carry a lot, but I have my limits and it impacts me physically. And so is one of the statements I wrote. And I know that if 2022 does not have a hyper focus on my health, that 2022 and on is going to be rough for me. And so I think for me, surprising was, I think I may have had a glimpse of my limit. And for me, I'm like, no, anything's possible. And it's not <laughs> that it's not possible, but to what like, cost? everything in moderation, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, so that, what about the year ahead? Like similar, was there any questions you struggled with? Anything that surprised you? Any patterns you might've seen about what you're hoping to have happen? Yeah, the question I had, because I'm, I'm just going to the, what is my word? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah, if, yeah. if I can do that. So the thing that is repeating is let me start from saying like peace and quiet. I, and I think that is what I need. And everything that I wrote for the year ahead has to do with that. Coming from decluttering my space to decluttering my mind. So the whole thing has a connection, right? 
Yeah. Um, I open in the US, they call it, I think, Poshmark, they call it, like the, the secondhand uh, stores. Yeah. So then I have, I have the online resale. Online resale. So then I put a bunch of clothes there in order to make sure that I could get rid of some stuff. I, I, I donated a lot of other stuff and I'm just trying to clean and, and declutter my space because I need to declutter my mind. Yeah. <laughs> in a space that is uh, cluttered, then it's not helping me. And, and then that is something that I really need to, to put into place. And that is something that had been included in basically in all these uh, answers throughout the whole thing. So in one way or another. So it has to do with peace. It has to do with balance. And that goes back to the word that I changed because initially I have thought that my word was going to be vitality. Yeah. Because I was out of energy, but I think that I was, I think, no, I know that I was out of energy because I was out of balance. So then I'm looking yeah. for my word for this year is balance. Yeah. And for, for our listeners that engage on the hive or in the community, this was actually a question before we even started this, I had seen a post where somebody said, instead of trying to write a resolutions or massive amounts of goals, just what is your theme of the year for 2022? And in the year compass, is it does ask you my word for the year ahead. So pick a word to symbolize and define the year ahead. And so I stuck with mine that I had before. It still made sense after doing the year compass, which is vibrant, because to me, that is one, it's about the health and wellness things that I was just talking about. But it's also about the, the activities and the work I do. And so what are the things that make me feel most energized and connected and giving in the ways that I like to give, which is through mentoring and teaching and those types of things. And then the other side is like my mind being vibrant. So continuing to learn because I love to learn. So my uh, Mila knows this is I love my garden. Like I, what is so <laughs> funny is when I lived in Florida, I hated being out in the garden. It was hot. It was sticky. There were bugs that just stuck to your skin because it was so hot and sticky, but I love it here in Seattle. And I just, every year is an experiment. I experiment with new seeds. I learn something new. I grow something new and, and it keeps me outside as well. And that's one of the things I'm trying to learn more about. And there's other things I'm trying to learn. So for me, that word was vibrant from there. Did you, did you have, so in this tool, it has two pages that are called magical triplets for the year ahead. So these are the ones that I confessed early on. I had more duos than triplets. And it just asks you things like the, the three things I will love about myself, or I'm ready to let go of these three things or the things I want to achieve, the three places I will visit. Those, it's just, you get the sense of what these two pages do. Ironically, it should have been three pages for magical trips. But anyways, <laughs> yes. but anyways, did you have any trends or themes on your triplets? Yes, I think that, so balance is a trend in a way, but the one trend that is there has to do with traveling. Yeah. That is something that I really missed in the past two years. Uh -oh. Exactly. I'm a frequent flyer and I really like to go different places. I, I need to discover new places. So there is a lot of on the learning that for me is experiential. So yeah. this go, going somewhere, talking to some people, thinking about or observing how people do things, going to a museum, et cetera, et cetera. So there are a lot of things like that are common into the, the triplets. Yeah, mine are still a lot of learning things, getting outdoors, those types of things. I, I will tell you, I one of my triplets that is not filled out is these three places I will visit. One of them was obvious because I already have a planned trip. One of them is a goal. So I'm doing this 52 hike challenge for the year. And so one of them is a trail that I, there's no way I could do it today, but I plan to do it before the end of the year. So that's one of the places I will visit, but I don't, I couldn't think of another one because I'm like you, I got to get out. I need to travel more. There are a couple planned trips, but they're because of things that I need to do. Like they're not, and they're places I've been to before. So I didn't finish yeah. it because 
I really want to visit some places, but closing off the three felt like I was closing off options. When you say three new places, first I thought about new city or new country, but then I thought, no, I want to visit a new museum that I had never been at. Yeah. That it could be even in the same city that I live, but some place that I've never been at. So then that is how I saw it. So just in case you want to explore another route. (laughs) Yeah, no. That's where I was going with the hike because it's a local place. It's a trail I've never done from that perspective. All right. So that's that's a little bit about what we experienced while doing this and sharing a little bit about what we learned about ourselves doing this. The thing with the year compass is that it, it is, it's just, it's really focused on reflection. It's focused on forgiveness, whether that's to others or yourself. And it, I, I think why I gravitate to it is that it just, I, it, to me, it has an emphasis on self-care and investing in what's important to you personally. So I think that's why I always recommend it to people because it does have a bit about what are you going to do for the world, but it really is a lot about what are you going to do for yourself and how are you going to take care of yourself from that perspective? So that's why I love that tool. But we know that people find paths they need to follow when they do this thing and change is an outcome from this. So we mentioned that we have changes that we need to announce. And so this is a place where we're going to announce this first change. So Mila. Yeah, I don't know how to how to start with my, my change, but let me just go right ahead with it. So 2021 was a year that it was intense in many ways for me. And, and I know that it was intense in many ways for you and for uh, everybody that is listening as well. I think for me to study very slow in a way that I was not having a, a full-time job and I was focusing working with you getting ready to launch House of Apis and then I had some time and obviously things were not locked down there was a curfew and I had the time to to dedicate to House of Apis but Katie always calls it a, I got a new a girl's got to eat job <laughs> <laughs> I started enjoying it very much and surprisingly after many years of not having satisfaction on a day-to-day job this job has started giving it to me and I think I'm very good at it and, and I'm very busy with the new job and all the responsibilities that came to bring House of Apis to life and I was enjoying uh, doing both things and the lockdown came and went uh, and came again and I found myself working very hard to be productive because I was struggling mentally and I didn't want to to voice it and to say it out loud. But there was a moment that I said it to Katie. I said, listen, I'm struggling. I'm really having a hard time. I need some time. And you took more of the workload yeah. uh, for House of Apis and to put in everything out there. And I was following and I was not pulling my weight. We ended up launching and I ended up feeling better and I ended up contributing, I hope a little bit more and doing my part as well. Um, But uh, undoubtedly, Katie, you had been the the full force behind House of Apis. And as I was doing my year compass and as we were thinking about a change anyway and thinking about how House of Apis was uh, going to evolve 2022 and beyond, obviously I realized that I needed to put the same amount of work, which I don't have a problem with, except that I felt that I was going to uh, put all this work with a detriment for myself and not because of House of Apis is because the day only has 24 hours right yeah. and then hopefully you should sleep eight of them and then <laughs> but, but you necessarily so they don't. say <laughs> yeah exactly and you have to work and uh, in order to put uh, food in the table and luckily I not only do that but also because I enjoy what I'm doing but I also need time for myself to recuperate and I was not doing that And I could lie to myself and say, yeah, I can continue because this is a crisis. But at the same time, it was not going to be fair to you, Katie, and to you listeners (laughs) and the House of Happy's community. And also not to myself to be trying to do everything at the same time and not being and not feeling uh, strong enough. So I was doing uh, the year compass. And that's why I said that the 2021 part was very hard. I did it all in one evening and it ended up with me sobbing and being very sad because I saw that, as I said before, my world had become very small 
and and I didn't have uh, much joy. I did have some moments of joy, of course. I'm not saying that it was a black and white thing, but I also realized that the fact that there was the lockdown made me lose all the opportunities to escape. So the way that I had been dealing with relaxing, balancing, taking care of myself had been by putting more things on my schedule, which is contradictory, but that is the way I have been doing it. But those are escape things. So then I would put a concert here, a dinner here, a visit to a museum here, a trip here, whatever. So then I was full all the time in order not to think or not to deal with what is behind everything. And I had to, as I said before, look at your, uh, look at myself in the mirror and say, I don't really like what I'm seeing. So that's why I got into a state was not managing my anxiety in the right way, was not taking care of myself, was not sleeping. And I'm saying was, but I still, it's not something that it changes, but at least when you are aware of it and you decide, okay, this is my priority and I have to work on it that I'm going to be doing, I need to take care of myself. And I was very sad and feeling very guilty of uh, leaving Katie with House of Apis. But for me, it was very important to keep our friendship as the first thing because we are friends first and sisters first, and then yeah. uh, business partners. So having said that, I there was a hard decision, but I'm moving aside from House of Apis, and I'm going to be here still collaborating with Katie and on the next direction of this beautiful project. And I'm going to pop in and out on a podcast here and there, on an article here and there, but I'm not going to be on a day-to-day uh, driving House of Apis. So Yes. So that's the first. That is the first piece of news for today. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Big, Don't have... <laughs> it's the biggest one. It's the biggest yeah. one because yeah. really this has been a dynamic duo and right, it's been blood, sweat, and tears, literally, for both of us. So I this is a huge thing for and for those of you that have been listening to us. And I'm very sad to lose my partner in crime. And I'm gonna be honest, everybody, I'm a little freaked out about trying to drive this forward on my own at least in the near term, but I'm very proud of you for making um, this commitment to yourself uh, and to your mental health and making a choice that's really important for you to have peace and quiet in your words. <laughs> and then, like she said, like she's never going to get that far away because she's still going to get reeled in for podcasts and she does like to write. So you'll probably see her pop up on some of the blog posts and stuff like that. And yeah. thank you. I thank you for sharing that with the listeners. I'm sure there's actually a lot of people out there that are struggling to make a very similar decision um, yeah. about prioritizing themselves over um, yeah. all the competing priorities and things that people want to be connected to or feel like they have to be connected to. Yeah. And I'm very grateful for the opportunity and for everything that I have learned with this. I, I can say now that I have been uh, a partner and a business owner. And I, I have learned a lot working with you. I have learned so much. You are so bright and so driven. And I think that everybody that is going to totally listen to you. We paid her for that. <laughs> <laughs> click the link down. Yes, click I the link. <laughs> no, but I think, as I said, you have been the driving force of House of Happy since we started. And I am happy to have been part of that and be alone for the ride. And I'm going to be there. I'm just, I'm just a little bit farther away, but yes, yes, yes. Well, far as <laughs> relative in the virtual world we live in. Yeah. But, but so we'll talk more. That's the first of the changes and the announcements that we need to make, but we are well into this podcast and we have not asked our compelling question of the week. So we, there are some things that are not changing and that is one of them. And this is a really hard pivot but we're going to make it anyway. So, um, <laughs> so, our, so in the remainder of this episode, we're, we are going to talk about some other pretty big changes, not as big as Mila leaving us, but, but a lot of these changes came out of the conversations in our annual retreat and to what Mila mentioned about us forecasting what we wanted to do in 2022 and beyond. And one of the things we really focused on was our demographics. Frankly, it's been something we've struggled with because we want to help the world. <laughs> 
<laughs> but, but we're two people. Going to break into song there. I know I should. <laughs> um, I'm really tempted. Anyways, so we did. We talked about generations as we started, but she's dancing on the other side of this. We we talked a bit about generations because demographic wise, we feel pretty passionate about the fact that this is a global platform and that we want to pull in people of all different cultures and race and religions and ethnicity. But did we need to do that for of all ages? And we weren't sure. So that was one of the things um, we've talked about. So I thought our compelling question could actually touch on that. And so every generation makes its impact uh, on the world in its own special way. And we're Gen Xers. So the question I have is, what is something you'd want to thank the women of the boomer generation? So those that came before us, something you think is better for us because of the progress they made? Because by the way, we're going to talk a lot about how we made it better for you millennials and Gen Z. <laughs> I also know we make it worse for you in some ways as well, too. But the but Mila, any thoughts on what did the boomers knock down, make easier, make better for us? I'm, I'm going to go with what impacts my day today and day to day of many uh, women out there. And I think it has to do with being role models for us, what you mm -hmm. can do. Yeah. And what you are able to do. The fact that I was looking at my mother getting dressed very elegant to go to her job was as a, she was a lawyer, she was a judge, she was in the Ministry of Justice. So she was a very high level position woman. I don't have anything against the house wives or staying at home moms, but she showed me that there is a way for women to have a career. That there's other options. Exactly. That that's there, not, there are other options. That that's exactly. not the only role for women. Exactly. It's exactly. an honorable role, but it's not the only role. Exactly. Yes. So that is that is what I mean. But the other role that I had very close was my grandmother was at home and taking care of the home. And she had eight kids, but then my mother was a different role model. The other thing is the fact that, that you could have a career and be independent. In my family, all the women had careers. So every one of them, they could be independent. And actually, I remember one of my aunts getting a divorce and people were saying, that's fine. And she has her job. She has her career. She can continue. She can go on. Because there were all these examples in other uh, households with other classmates that they will be like, okay, yeah, now, you know, they, they are divorcing and the mother has to move in with the grandparents because the mother didn't have a job. So in my family, there is in, in, independence as a possibility. So yeah. I don't want it to sound that, that there was something wrong with being a housewife but it, no not at all but there was another possibility that women could have everything that they wanted to have in their lives your response ties into my response which it's it's this theme about independence or the the access to independence so i uh, for me the thing that I, and this has really been highlighted for me in helping my mother post my father passing away so the thing I want to thank boomers for is access to financial resources for women. And by the way, I do think there's still a lot of progress that still needs to be made. But I, as I mentioned, as I was helping my mom navigate things after my father passed away, I realized that this is a generation that depending on the path they took, whether they took your mother's path or my mother's path, which my mom predominantly was a housewife, but she would do volunteer work. And once, once us kids were old enough to take care of ourselves, she went and she got a part-time job, but it depended on whether you had a fine and whether you actually made a decision about doing this is whether you have a financial footprint. So just as, and, and this is our U S this made me go out and look right. So from a U.S. perspective, it wasn't until 1960s that women could gain the right to open a bank account in their own. They couldn't get a they couldn't get a credit card on their own until 1974 when the Equal Credit Opportunity Act was passed which prohibited discrimination on the basis of race, color, religion, national origin, sex, marital status or age in credit transactions. And in just 1988 the Women's Business Ownership Act allowed women to get a business loan without a male co-signer. So, so 
boomers have knocked down some financial barricades for all of us. And and why this became evident as I was helping my mom, and we're going to do a whole episode on women in finance, but women, if you do not have credit cards that are primarily in your name, bank account in your name, when your partner is gone, you are going to have a heck of a time getting a credit card because they see that you do not have a credit footprint. And they say, oh, you don't have a history of managing finances. And to my mom's quote, I've run a household for 50 years. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I have a history of managing finances and that's last month, right? So, So a lot of walls have been knocked down, but sadly, I think the mentality is still alive and well out there that men are the breadwinners, which is also a big part of the equal pay problem. And so I'll dive more in this in that, the episode about women and, and money, but, but yeah, that's the thing I would like to say, Hey, thank you. The world's a little bit easier for me than it would have been for you. And, and so instead of saying, okay, boomer, <laughs> I think we should be saying, thank you, boomer. Yeah, look at us, Gen X, we're bridging strife between the generations. But anyways, <laughs> but I'll post some of the things out there that uh, talk about what I was just sharing, but that is, that is our compelling question. We wanted to say thank you for the women that came before us. And we will put it on social media for you yes, to yes, answer. Yes. yes. Let's stay with this conversation of generations and move into the next change we want to share. Every year, starting in 2017, Katie and I have met in New York City for an annual meeting that we call an annual retreat. (laughs) And it's several days of strategy planning, brainstorming, creativity, and obviously fun and time together. Yeah. We, of course, had to pause for 2020 since COVID. We were so grateful to be able to come together in 2021 and had the bonus of attending TED Women Together in Palm Springs. So this past annual retreat, we really dive into the topics uh, that we wanted to talk about. One of the things we determined is that we were trying to do this for too much broad of an audience. In our attempt to hug as many of you as we could, <laughs> we were running the risk of being irrelevant to all of you. So we went back to our roots or to our uh, year of birth. And one of the reasons we started doing this was Uh, to talk as Generation X women because we felt ignored in the conversations in the workplace. We felt overlooked by the media and struggled to find information to support us as we navigated being in between two large generations that were both being taken care of by us. So the boomers and uh, Y. Yeah. (laughs) Y and Z. Yeah. I'm so sorry, but that is true. It is true. It is true. So over the break, so on this point, Mila and I are having this conversation and I went out and searched on women's communities and groups and they predominantly cater to younger generations. And if not intentionally, their graphics certainly did not show a lot of people who looked like they were in their late forties to early sixties. And by the way, stock photo companies, you woefully lack pictures of our generation. And so just a shameless plug out there. So we get a bit more airtime in professional groups, but even in that space, we're getting squeezed out. We initially were fired up to provide conversation resources and connections for women in our age demographic. So that's how this whole conversation of House of Apis even started to begin with. And we're a group of women trying to raise children and take care of our parents at the same time. We're trying to find meaning in our own day-to-day activities, whether at work or at home. We're feeling the pressure and the stress of our responsibilities, and we very rarely prioritize ourselves. By the way, that is how this generation is wired. And looking for ways to contribute to society and make meaningful change is important to us, but we try and do all this other stuff at the same time. It's, it is how we were, we're wired. We put our head down and we get it done. It's exhausting. And I know you all do it in your own way, shape, or form as well, too. But each of our generations is feeling it in a different way. And Generation X is the generation that is being squeezed and gets absolutely no attention. So yes, we are the whiny middle child right now. So anyways, (laughs) anyways, I get it. It's a numbers game. We are not a sizable generation comparatively, but we are a strong, resilient, 
innovative and scrappy generation. We were latchkey kids. We survived smoking on planes and no seat belts in cars. Our toys could kill us. I'll give you lawn darts and lead paint as our examples. And we have invented, navigated, and thrived through massive technological change. And we still know how to write with cursive handwriting, something I understand the younger generations no longer do. So <laughs> because of this, we will be putting Generation X, and, and I should be actually a little more specific because we're expanding just a little bit outside the fringes of that to women in their mid forties to early sixties. You are going to be front and center of our content and our resources. And we still embrace the rest of you. We welcome you to listen in, join in on the conversation on social media and our online community and participate in the workshops. Because as we just talked in the, the compelling question, boomers, we still have a lot to learn from you. And Gen Y and Z, we can learn from you as well, but hopefully we have a little bit, we can leave you some breadcrumbs and wisdom to make your midlife adventures a bit easier and rewarding than ours were. <laughs> <laughs> or R, R, because we're there. R, R, R. <laughs> it's not like a pirate. R, anyway. <laughs> we did focus. It means some topics that we promised in season one have been taken off the priority list. But don't worry, there are plenty of cool topics on the roadmap, many of which readily expand beyond Generation X, like toxic positivity or women and finance and what matters most. But yes, coming soon is the menopause episode. So dun, we talk dun, about dun. it. We talk about it. What was it? The Sex and the City show doesn't really talk about it. That no. But anyway. No. <laughs> or at all. No, they do for three minutes. But anyways, we'll talk yeah. about that in a couple yeah, episodes. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And we will do a deep dive into Generation X, women and our realities. So we hope you will stick with us as we make this adjustment. And frankly, we've been pretty focused on women in their 40s to 60s already. <laughs> but as we look to expand what we're doing and discussing as far as the brand, our social media voice and our graphics, it became unwieldy for us to be all things to all women. I can assure you, though, the concepts of our three pillars, self-support and solidarity, remain and one of the areas that we will continue to double down on is self-care and embracing our imperfect lives. And speaking of imperfect lives, we thought this could be the topic we explored for this episode's Did You Know? See? Ooh, something did you know? We did start season one discussing the illusion of perfection and the stress and disappointment that can um, cause by pursuing such a state. So we thought we would kick off this season with a discussion around the concept of imperfection and its benefits. So Mila, have you heard of the term wabi-sabi? The first time that you asked me this question, I thought that you were talking about wasabi. So no, I do love, but I have to admit, <laughs> I had heard it, but I actually had heard it in the context of home furnishings. And there's a sushi restaurant down the road that is named this. So I didn't pay it much mind. I didn't, I thought it was a play on words, to be honest with you. But in doing the research on imperfection, I've actually, I've grown quite an appreciation for what this actually means. It is an actual philosophy and it is way more than a way of decorating your home. Although I get why it applies to decorating your, your home. So let me share what it actually means. According to an article in psychology today, it's been defined in many ways. It's a characteristic feature of Japanese beauty, a serene melancholy and spiritual longing, a nurturer of authenticity, wisdom of imperfection, the beauty of things imperfect and permanent and incomplete. But according to japanology.org, the concept was born of the Mahayana Buddhist understanding of life as impermanent. It's marked by suffering and ultimately wabi-sabi adds yeah. to that recognition, a distinctly Japanese sensitivity to natural processes and materials and to the pleasures of simplicity. So whereas classical Western aesthetic ideals were of beauty and perfection, symmetry and a fine finish, wabi-sabi is hard-nosed and realistic. Nothing lasts, nothing is perfect. And accepting these hard facts opens the door to realistic appreciation of a deeper beauty, which is what we're about at House of Apis. That is great. That is great. Wabi-sabi. 
Wabi-sabi yeah. to you. Wabi-sabi. <laughs> Embrace the wabi-sabi. So the, the words are born separately and refer to different things. So wabi is originally described the loneliness of living in nature far from society. And sabi meant lean or withered, a flower past its bloom. But... Ooh which doesn't sound as appealing, but during the 14th century, the two words together began to take on more positive meanings with the Wabi describing aspects of living, the positive aspects of living alone in nature, quiet, rustic simplicity, peace and quiet. Peace and, and quiet. Peace and quiet. And Sabi, on the other hand, um, was beginning to find beauty in old age and a weathered character, focusing instead on the serenity that can come with time when inevitable wear becomes a patina and scars become signs of experience. Gen X. Gen X. Wabi and Sabi. So now that I've learned more about this philosophy, I actually really love it. And I'm reading more about it. And so one of the things, so I mentioned about going on more hikes. And I think one of the things I really actually love about hiking and the things I find most beautiful on those hikes are the things that are most weathered. So like rocks that have been smoothed out over time or cliffs that are windblown. And so they're jagged mm -hmm, because of the mm -hmm. way the wind's blown or I love, I take ridiculous amounts of pictures of trees with moss and fungus and stuff on it. Um, yes, she does. And she I just, yes. <laughs> It's a little annoying. So I, I guess I didn't, I never heard of it, but I always had an appreciation of it. So I don't know, Mila, reactions, thoughts? I think it's, it's beautiful. And it, this reminds me of the, uh, I don't know how to pronounce it, but like the Kintsugi, Kintsugi. Yeah, the, the those are the, 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 those bowls, Japanese bowls that are broken and then they repair with some gold leaves and stuff. Yeah, but the glue has gold and you mend yeah, it. it yeah. Is really, yeah, that they actually are saying that it is, you know, it takes breakage and the repair uh, as part of a history instead of disguising it, they actually yeah. highlight it. So then it, it somehow it just reminds me of that. So I don't know if it's related, but yeah, you know, it seems yeah. like it would be. Yeah. And the yeah. cracks become beauty moving forward. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. And I, I, this concept was just resonating so much because it, it's actually a great segue into our next topic, which is our next change that is coming for House of Atmos. So before we announce what the change is, I'd like to play out a conversation that illustrates the reason why we're making this change. If you don't mind, Mila, <laughs> will you play along? No, go ahead. Of course. Okay. Of course. So every time I talk to someone about what we're doing and it's somebody new or hasn't heard of us before, our colleague, they get super excited about what we're doing. They want to go check us out. And then they say, what is it called? And I say, House of Apis. House of what? A-P-I-S. Is that like the uh, computer thing? A-P-I? No, it's the genus of the honeybee. And so what we're trying to do is be like a community, like honeybees are. <laughs> oh, that's cool. I get it. I get it. Oh, and I see your logo. I get it. I get it. <laughs> so, so we get it, everybody. It's a mouthful. It's not memorable. It's not a word that creates any emotional attachment. And by the way, if you've been listening to us for a while in season one, and especially season one, episode one was our third choice. So the good news is that we were able to secure the trademark for our second choice. Choice one is still owned by the Sundance company. So no luck there, but, and it's a name that those of you that have gone online to look at the website or have spent some time in the hive are actually familiar with. So starting soon, House of Apis will be called Imperfect Life. And true to our nature, we spell it imperfectly. There are no E's in imperfect. And you'll see over the next month or so, the images and the language changing for the podcast, the website, social media to reflect the change. Yeah, this change is very exciting because we feel that it better reflects our focus on self-care and it embraces our own quirky, imperfect lives that we have talked about. It also reflects on the messy world we live in, even though I want to declutter, it's yes. still messy. You can only control so much. <laughs> exactly. I can only declutter my living room <laughs> and my bedroom. But anyway, it reflects the messy world and how important it is to come together to support each other and unite in solidarity to change the world for the better for women and girls. And because of this name change, it no longer makes sense for our private community of members to be called The Hive because we're not bees anymore. So that too will be changing and we'll be calling that the corner. 
a place where we come together to talk about topics that often are not straightforward or clear cut. So you'll see a lot of topics starting with an introduction that says that they are at the corner of one subject and another subject. So like today's podcast, when we said we found ourselves at the corner of change and more change. And we also want to use that as a way for us to check in with each other and do an occasional roll call across the community where we can see how people are feeling and if they need help. They need cheerleaders, if they want to celebrate, whatever that might be. So today, for example, if we were doing a roll call, I feel like I'm at the corner of anxious and excited, <laughs> which is a really <laughs> strange way to manage your energy. But Mila, how about you? <laughs> yeah, he's very high there. It yeah. is very much like a bee. Yes. And excited. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's hard to shake the bee. But anyways. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm at the corner of sad and grateful. Aww. <laughs> yes. So I'm in the corner of sad. Me too. And I'm yeah. going to come across the street to your corner. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, okay. So uh, we'll be reorganizing the website and the community to reflect the changes to both the brand and the audience and to align with some of the things planned around self-support and solidarity. And one other change will be the name of this podcast. The format is going to remain the same, but clearly we would want to make sure that the name aligns to the new brand aspects. The name will change to At The Corner with Imperfect Life. And if you're a subscriber, you do not need to do anything. If you're not, why not? Why are you not subscribing to us? <laughs> why not? <laughs> why not? Just make sure that starting with the next episode, you look for it under the new title. Yes, and I will be continue to pop on as Katie's co-host. However, she will looking for other people to help co-host or you will be listening to her. Uh, talk to friends, experts, and members of the community. And if you are interested in joining, please reach out via the website through the contact page. So, so there's can join Katie. Yeah, come on. Everybody's got something to say. So much more to come. And the best way to stay informed is to listen to the podcast, follow us on social media and meet us at the corner and sign up for the newsletter. Well, friends, a lot of changes coming and we're excited to have all of you along for the ride. And uh, Mila, I do know this isn't your last podcast with us. And in fact, as you mentioned, you're joining for the next two episodes. So it'll be like, she's not leaving, but I do feel like you should do the honor of this episodes. It doesn't all suck because it is your favorite part of the podcast. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Thank you. So I want to talk to you about some news that came out of the, on the positive news website. And there are three good things, city tours from eye-opening perspectives. And basically what, so as the world is opening up from the pandemic, people are daring to dream of international travel again. As I said, that was one of the things <laughs> that I really wanted to do. And what I like about these is that these tours offer alternative perspectives on destinations. So if you're going to go to London, you normally go where? to Big Ben, Westminster Abbey, you Tower walk around London, yeah. Buckingham Palace, whatever. Maybe you go to Harrods and go to a play. However, these three excursions that you have are not a typical tour of London. This is led by women from Albania, Ethiopia, and Morocco. And the tours discuss customs and traditions from the women's home countries and how these influence immigrant communities in London. Cool. So you are going to go with Ella, Sefanit, and Kautar, who arrive in the UK with little money, limited English, and no connections. They receive training and mentoring from the Women in Travel Social Enterprise before launching the tourist company Intrepid Urban Adventures. So food and drink play in part of each experience from learning how to make Moroccan minty to a traditional Ethiopian coffee ceremony. Ooh. So I think it's really cool because uh, then you can see something different in a city that otherwise you wouldn't have seen it. You would have seen only the touristic places. And I like the immigrant experience, obviously being an immigrant myself. And we get the job done. Sorry, had yeah. to do Hamilton throw up. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's good. So there are other two tours in this uh, article that we're going to put on social media. One tour that happens in the Egipto neighborhood of uh, Bogota, and that was the epicenter of the city's gun-related conflict. 
And now former GAM members are guiding visitors through the area's story. So they oh, wow. basically, it's also a different tour that you can get. And uh, the last one is about the street children that turn tour guides in, in Delhi. That is very interesting because then they are providing jobs to kids. They are actually showing a new aspect of Delhi to, to the tours that are coming there and they are helping people uh, in the process. So I think this is very nice. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. all suck. No, I think it sounds amazing. I'm absolutely checking this out. And as any of you that are listening that are my friends who have asked me for travel advice, you know that I tell you, if you go travel to a new location and you go to chain restaurants, shame on you. Um, If you don't go wander around the neighborhood, like shame on you. So this is actually really cool because- I love um, it, yeah. Yeah, awesome. That was a stellar- kickoff to the season for it doesn't all suck and on that note that's it for this first episode of season two and like we said at the beginning the only constant in life is change that's why we're at the corner of change and more change and we're gonna (laughs) embrace that puppy right now so um, that's how we're rolling Yeah, so for this week, we have two asks for you. The first is to do your own reflection over the last year and projection into the next year, if you haven't yet. So the year compass is a great tool, but there is no necessary to use it. There are a lot of others out there, and you can also just do journaling, vision boards, doodling. You can just sit on your couch and just close your eyes and do a little meditation. But invest a bit of time in yourself to explore how you would like to invest in yourself over the next year. And if it's not a year, it's six months, it's three months, whatever you want to make it. But we think that this is an important tool to help you out. Yes. And we will put the link to the year compass in the podcast notes. Uh, For those of you that want to check it out, you can also see it under things we love on the website and in the soon to be named the corner for the community platform. The second ask is to engage in our imperfect life community. Look at me trying on the new name. Join in on the social media conversation, sign up for the newsletter, jump into the community space and just spread the word. We would love if you could spread the word. The more the merrier, the better the conversations. But that's it for now. Join us for the next episode where we jump into the time machine and hop through the past, present and explore the future for Generation X. I have no doubt we'll have a few laughs over big hair, mixtapes, fluorescent clothing, and whatever other fad you got into during the 70s, 80s, and onward. (laughs) Madonna. (laughs) Okay, so for now, make sure you subscribe to this podcast through your favorite platform so you'll get the episode as soon as it drops. All right, Mila, how about one last time? You good? You good for it? (laughs) Yes, definitely. All right, until then, good morning from Seattle. And good evening from Amsterdam. Bye-bye.